Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. <clears throat> All right, we're back. Uh, this is episode 198. Today is 02 December. Uh, I actually started working on this episode at 1 December, you know, around 9, 10, 11, whatever it was. Next thing you know, it's 2 in the morning or one thirty in the morning or 1 in the morning, whatever, and it's now 2 December. And there were so many stories that I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. So I just now decided I will do a short episode uh, now and then maybe later this afternoon this evening, maybe even Sunday, I'll do another episode. Finish up the stuff that I wanted to get to. So I'll give you six stories now. Uh, some Israel stuff. Uh, truce is over. Temporary truce is over. They're back fighting. <clears throat> and then uh, interesting story about Ukraine. And then interesting story uh, about China. So we'll start off with, uh, first, I didn't know this. There was a uh, an Osprey crash, Air Force Osprey crash. I think it was Wednesday, and I didn't. Even, I wasn't even tracking that. So I'll start with that one. Unfortunately, uh, this is from Military.com. Thomas Snovelli, Airman's remains recovered from Osprey crash off coast of Japan. Seven others listed whereabouts unknown. This is story was updated on one December, <clears throat> and the Airman's remains were recovered from the wreckage of an Air Force Osprey that crashed this week. Off the coast of Japan and seven other crew members aboard were still unaccounted for on Friday, according to an update from the service. Air Force Special Operations Command said in a statement, one set of remains had been recovered and the other airmen on the Osprey were duty status whereabouts unknown, a term used by the military when the status of missing service members, including those lost at sea, cannot be confirmed. Excuse me, search and refuge, search, search and rescue efforts along the southwestern coast of Japan that began on Wednesday are still go- were still ongoing Friday, the command said, and have included a large number of U.S. military personnel and Japanese government assistance. A Wednesday statement from the Air Force Special Operations Command said a CV-220, I'm sorry, CV-22B Osprey assigned to the 353rd Special Operations Wing was on a training mission off the shore of Yukushima Island between the Japanese mainland and Okinawa with eight airmen aboard when it went down in the ocean. Sabrina Singh, who we, of course, know is a Pentagon spokeswoman, said in a statement Friday, yesterday, that the Air Force unit that owned the Osprey had grounded its other Ospreys, and additional inspections of U.S. military aircraft based in Japan were underway. Here's a statement from her. The unit of the CV-22, which we know is the 353rd Special Operations Wing, the unit of the CV-22 that had the accident is not conducting flight operations, Singh said in an email Friday. All V-22 Ospreys in Japan operate only after ongoing thorough maintenance and safety checks. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, Japanese officials voiced public concerns about the dual-rotor aircraft, which can fly like helicopters or airplanes. Of course, 
This audience that listens to this show knows that. Following the incident called for their own country's fleet of Ospreys to be grounded amid investigations into Wednesday's, Wednesday's crash. The Japanese Self-Defense Force, they have 14 Ospreys in their fleet. Here's a statement from the Japanese Chief Cabinet Secretary, Matsuno. He told reporters that Japan is asking the United States to ground its, all its Ospreys in Japan until unless they're being utilized for search and rescue efforts until their safety is confirmed. That's from the AP. Uh, Singh told reporters on Friday's press, I'm sorry, Singh told reporters during a Pentagon press briefing Thursday that the department was not tracking an official request from the Japanese government. On Friday, she added that the Pentagon is keeping the Japanese government in the loop regarding the Osprey inspections. Military.com has extensively reported on safety issues, including a mechanical clutch problem problem, and recent deadly crashes of Air Force and Marine Corps Osprey aircraft. We cover that uh, from time to time on this show. The latest deadly crash involved uh, Marine Osprey was in Australia in August, and it claimed the lives of three Marines. Another Marine Corps Osprey went down last year in Southern California, killing five Marines. Investigation findings released in July showed the cause of the crash in California was a hard clutch engagement, also known as HCE, which is a mechanical issue that has plagued the aircraft for more than a decade. It is not yet clear what caused the Wednesday crash off Yakushima Island. We've talked about that clutch problem. I mean, I've only been doing the program for like two years, but at least five times in two years. Now we're talking about it again. But to be fair, they don't know what caused the crash. Uh, moving on. So I didn't know about the crash. Here's another story from military.com. U.S. Navy warship shoots down drone launched by Houthis from Yemen. This is the USS Kearney. They've already downed something before. They've got another one. U.S. warship sailing near the Bab El Mandib Strait shot down a drone launched from Yemen on Wednesday. U.S. military said in the latest string of threats from Iranian-backed Houthi rebels. <clears throat> U.S. CENTCOM said the USS Kearney, a Navy destroyer, downed the drone, which is an Iranian-made KASA KAS-04, which was launched from Houthi-controlled area of Yemen, was headed toward the ship. The ship was operating in the Red Sea at the time and was moving toward the strait. At the time of the morning shoot-down, the USS Kearney was escorting the USNS Supply a military sea lift command fast combat supply ship, as well as another U.S. flagged and crewed ship carrying military equipment to the region. There were no injuries to U.S. personnel and no damage to the ships. Earlier this month, another Navy destroyer, the USS Thomas Hudner, shot down a drone that was heading toward the ship as it sailed in the southern Red Sea. It was also near the Bab El Mandeb Strait when it shot the drone over the water. The Red Sea, here's a little bit about that strait. The Red, Street, the Red Sea stretching from Egypt's Suez Canal to the narrow Bab al-Mandib Strait separates the Arabian Peninsula from Africa. It's a key trade route for global shipping and energy supplies. The United States Navy has stationed multiple ships in the sea since the start of the Israel-Hamas war on 7 October. And of course, talking about Israel and Hamas, the truce is over with. Uh, here's the latest on that. This is from Times of Israel from 
the staff and Emmanuel Fabian, who we usually follow. Heavy fighting reported in Gaza, Israeli jet strike near Damascus, the Syrian media says. IDF carried out airstrikes in the Palestinian enclave after rocket barrages and also targeted Hezbollah sites in Lebanon in response to rocket fire. Israel's military was carrying out extensive operations against Hamas and other terror groups in Gaza overnight. By the way, this uh, article is from 1 December. Um, and heavy fighting reported in the southern part of Palestinian enclave, according to Hebrew language media. And they refer to Channel 12. I guess that's the TV station. Uh, extensive ground battles are reported in the Khan Yunus area, according to Channel 12, amid intelligence that some of Hamas's leadership is present in the city. Army radio says military forces are also operating in Gaza City and Bayat Lahia in northern Gaza. Earlier, Israel carried out strikes in Khan Yunus and Rafah, also in southern Gaza. Gazans report that the IDF dropped flyers in Khan Yunus, calling on residents to move south to Rafah, warning the area as dangerous. Maybe you heard about this. The IDF earlier published a map splitting Gaza Strip into hundreds of small zones. I think they numbered them, which will be used to notify Palestinian civilians of active combat zones. It asked Palestinians to pay attention to their area's number and follow IDF future updates. The military may use this map to call on Palestinians from specific areas to evacuate when the IDF ground operation offensive expands to the Strip South instead of demanding mass evacuations as it did in the northern part of Gaza. I think the IDF has a statement. The IDF is operating strongly against terror organizations while making great efforts to, to different I can't even say it, dif, differentiate, sorry. I do speak English, by the way, between civilians and terrorists. That's from the IDF. Uh, here's another statement. The people of Gaza are not our enemies. For this reason, as of this morning, the IDF is leading controlled and specific evacuations of Gaza residents in order to remove them from as much possible combat areas of combat. That's it. Now, here's an interesting story from Breaking Defense, Seth Fransman. I think he is their kind of reporter in Israel reporting on what's going on. It's the arc from 1 December, 55 days of war, the Israel-Gaza conflict by the numbers. I'm not going to go through the whole article. He just kind of highlights numbers to kind of tell the story. Uh, the kind of... Intro is the hard conflict. Uh, the conflict has caused an incalculable amount of human suffering, but other hard numbers can tell part of the story. This is from 1 December. The tenuous ceasefire expired today as Israel resumed its aggressive counterattack on Hamas in Gaza. But for several days, there was relative peace, offering a rare window to take stock of the war as it stretches near the two month mark. After 55 days of war, here's the story so far told through numbers involved. Like I said, I won't go through all of them. Uh, the war began 7 October with, an in, with incursions at 29 locations on the Israel-Gaza security fence. This is a $1 billion security barrier. Hamas overran border communities and killed more than 1,200 people and kidnapped an estimated 240 others. More than 80 have been released in recent days. Around 300 IDF soldiers and 58 Israeli police were killed in the first days of fighting on the border. 
In response, Israel called up 300,000 reservists and called up 50,000 more over the next month and a half. Since uh, ground operations began in Gaza on 27 October, another 77 IDF soldiers have been killed. IDF estimated on the eve of the war, Hamas had uh, 30,000 operatives inside Gaza. They were divided into five brigades, 24 battalions, and 140 companies. The number of Hamas fighters is difficult to determine, but the IDF said that 3,000 have been killed since 1 November. Of course, that was a month ago. Uh, the IDF has estimated that 10 of the 24 battalions have been engaged in Gaza. That's only about half. IDF says they've killed 12 Hamas battalion commanders. So half the battalion commanders have been killed. If there's 24 battalions, they've killed 12. On Sunday, last Sunday, the IDF confirmed five additional senior Hamas, men, Hamas commanders were killed in Gaza before the operational pause also known as the temporary truce. IDF said 400 uh, tunnels have been destroyed. In the air war, the IDF says they've dropped 1.5 million pamphlets urging civilians to leave northern Gaza in mid-October. According to Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza, Israel's air bombardment counterattacks have killed more than 14,000 people. Gazans, obviously. Uh, the overall attacks from Lebanon include 100 incidents of t- anti-tank fire. Uh, IDF Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said on 26 November that 100 Hezbollah members have been injured or killed over the last month and a half. Two IDF soldiers have been killed from attacks in Lebanon. A little bit about uh, defense stuff. The requirement to produce munitions has put Israel on a war economy. Raphael, which makes the Iron Dome, as well as spiked missiles and other munitions, has been in 24-7 production since the war began. That's from the Israeli Prime Minister. He said that 21 November. Israel's uh, M109 artillery, which uses 155 millimeters, has gone through a large number of shells. Uh, According to an interview with one commander, one artillery brigade has gone through 10,000 shells in the first month of the war with each battalion using up to 3,500 rounds. Israeli's Minister of Defense said it secured 7,000 tons of foreign equipment on 123 cargo flights and seven ships by 9 November. uh, Israel has also acquired small arms such as M4 rifles or carbines for local security guards. The United States has made five deliveries of equipment since the war's outbreak, reportedly including missiles and ammunition. Over the last few days, more than 80 Israeli hostages have been released in exchange for 180 Palestinian prisoners. And he's, here's the end of the article. So perhaps the most important figure is a relatively small one. Seven, that's how many days the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas lasted. There was some other stuff about rockets and stuff in there, but uh, I only cherry-picked a few of them. It's a good article if you want to check it out. Breaking Defense, Seth Frostman, 1 December. Couple more and I'll be done. Uh, oh, and here's where's one more thing. This is from the Congressional Research Service. Israel and Hamas 2023 conflict in brief overview U.S. policy and options for Congress updated 30 November. This is a nice little uh, article. If you go to the Congressional Research Service, you can find it. I only cherry pick some stuff. 
Uh, this is basically U.S. expedited arms deliveries to Israel since 7 October. So I'll go over that real quick. Uh, the Biden administration has expedited the provision of U.S. military and security assistance to Israel, including the following. Small diameter bombs, 250 pounds. Interceptors to replenish Israel's Iron Dome. Joint direct attack munitions. 155 millimeter artillery shells, obviously. The administration also providing two Iron Dome batteries previously purchased by U.S. Army. We talked about that. Uh, another report says the United States has shipped 2,000 Hellfire laser-guided missiles for Israel's Ap Apache attack helicopters, along with 36,000 rounds of 30-millimeter ammunition, which are fired by the Apache also. There's also a report that 57,000 155-millimeter HE artillery rounds have been sent, 20,000 M4 rifles. That's right, 20,000 20, M4 rifles. 5,000 PVS-14 NVGs, night vision goggles. This is interesting. 3,000 uh, 3, M141 shoulder-fired bunker buster munitions. 400 120mm mortars. And 75 JLTVs, which means joint light tactical vehicles. Humvee replacement, so to speak. Uh, that's from Congressional Research Service, dated 30 November, just a couple of days ago. Uh, 17 minutes. Two more stories. <clears throat> this is an interesting one. You know, I usually don't do a lot of Ukraine stuff other than materiel with an E. I don't talk too much about the tactical stuff, frankly, because, well, you remember when the war started 22 November, or what was it, 22 February or 27 February of, of 22 over a year ago, almost two years now. Uh, everybody was doing something, you know, ISW was doing this and anyway, probably doing better than I could do it. But I found this interesting. I found this article from The Independent Friday, 1 December. I think the author's name is Arpen Rai, R-A-I. Ukraine says it's repelling Russian attacks across six fronts as Zelensky orders more fortifications. And what interested me on that one was the part where it says as Zelensky, the president, orders more fortifications. So it looks like, according to this article, Ukraine is starting to dig in instead of maneuver. Uh, so here we go. Missile attacks and ground clashes between Russia and Ukraine forces surged on Thursday, according to Ukraine military, as Russian troops launched offensive but failed to move forward on as many as six fronts. Now here's the part where I try to speak, uh, try to, pronounced Russian or Ukraine cities. So bear with me. Uh, Russian troops made dozens of failed attacks in Bakhmut, Adevka, Adevka. I know I'm saying that wrong. Lyman, Kupiansk, Marinka, Zaporozhia, and other hot spots along a 600-mile long front line, according to the update, 1,000 kilometers or 600 miles. Adevka? Anyway, I know I'm saying that wrong. Anyway, uh, the president, Vladimir Dominsky, called for the bolstering of Kiev's fortifications along the war's front line, especially in the eastern Ukraine, amid the Russian surge of activities there. Uh, here's a quote from Mr. Zelensky in a nightly uh, address. In all major sectors where reinforcement is needed, there should be a boost and an acceleration in the construction of structures. 
This, of course, means the greatest attention given to a, dev- a devika, Marienka and other sectors in the Donetsk region. In Kharkiv region, this means Kupiansk sector and the Kupiansk Lyman line, he added. The appeal came after the Ukrainian president visited positions in the northeast, one of several areas where Russian forces have been trying to make recent headway and recapture areas liberated by Ukrainian troops a year ago. On one of the meetings Mr. Zelensky held with commanders dealt specifically with building defensive fortifications. Russia has an extensive network of their own fortifications like dragon's teeth trenches, anti-tank ditches, and minefields in areas of Ukraine that has invaded and wants to hold on to. Those defenses have been a key factor in holding back a Ukrainian counteroffensive that began in June. Ukrainian troops have only made incremental gains in the east and the south since then. So, you know, this, if you remember back in June, when the summer started, there was something like on Twitter where all these Ukraine soldiers and people were like going with their finger to the lips going, shh, like apparently the worst kept secret in the world that Ukraine was going to do an offensive. And uh, anyway, went June, July, August, September, October. Now we're in November. Now we're in December. Winter's come, and obviously the offensive ended a couple of months ago, and it looks like the Ukrainians are digging in. And I don't know what that means. Does that mean negotiations are coming, and they're just going to dig in, and it's going to be like a, the second year of the Korean War where everybody dug in, and, and that was it, and just have trade artillery for the next year and a half? Who knows? But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, what am I doing on time? 21 minutes. I got one more story. And then I'll do another episode with some of these other stories. Uh, what's the last story? Looking for it. Here we go. China claims it can shoot down America's new B-21 stealth bomber. This is from Defense Post. Joe Sabala, 1 December. China's claimed down it could shoot down America's new B-21 Raider bomber using artificial intelligence-enabled hypersonic weapons. Now, that's the first time I've heard, I've heard of AI, right, artificial intelligence, and I've heard of hypersonic weapons. But this is the first time I've heard of artificial intelligence-enabled hypersonic weapons. A team of Chinese scientists led by Northwestern Polytechnical University associate professor Chen Jun said it conducted a simulation to identify what weapons would be effective against a highly classified aircraft designed for a potential war with China. They acknowledged that with the B that the B-21 can be difficult to defeat with conventional ground or air-based missiles due to sophisticated electronic warfare capabilities. However, the researchers pointed out that the war plane could still be vulnerable to warheads from near space or above 100K above the Earth. In a war game, they allegedly conducted the two Chinese, air, two Chinese air-to-air missiles with a top speed of Mach 6 teamed up to strike the bomber in a companion drone. The stealth aircraft reportedly detected the launch of the first missile and was able to make a sharp turn to evade the attack. However, the smart weapon coordinated with another AI-enabled missile from near space. The simulation showed that the American warplane did not expect the Chinese missile to switch targets midair. 
China's claim that the missiles communicated through near space implies that the country has already solved a complex technical hurdle, according to a report by Eurasian Times. There is a communications blackout when objects are near the Earth's atmosphere and traveling at hypersonic speeds. This is one of the reasons why ground radar, why ground-based radars are unable to identify hypersonic targets at very high altitudes. In January of 2022, China claimed to have found a way to maintain consistent communication with the hypersonic missile, however, did not provide specific details regarding its discovery. And that's it. Take it, take it that for what, for what it's worth. All right, that's it. So that's our sixth story. One, two, three, four, five, six, 24 minutes. Short episode. Not too bad. Uh, some of the other stories I'm probably going to do tomorrow. I'll just give you kind of a heads up while I got some time. I'm going through it. Stand by. I don't know if I'm going to do that one. Tim Martin just wrote a good story about uh, uh, Ukraine aid and what's going on in Europe. I don't know if I'll do that one. Maybe I'll do that one. There's another story about Boeing. It was out of the competition for the Doomsday Plane, the E-4B. That's a good one. I'll do that one. Uh, Boeing just won a con. So one, one competition, they're out. Another competition, they just got awarded. $2.3 billion for 15 more KC-46s. I'll do that story. And let's see what else. Uh, submarines going to Australia for repair. That's going to be a good one. And I'll probably find a couple more. I always look for a UK story also. So anyway, that's it. 25 minutes. Let me uh, finish this one up, tighten it up and get it out. And I'll probably do another. Not probably. I will do another one either tomorrow or Sunday. So that's it. Episode what? 198. 198 is in the books. Thank you very much for listening and good night.